0: Welcome to HBF once again. If you're just now joining us online, we are glad that you are with us this morning. And uh, we are going to be continuing our study in the seven realities of HBF. If you have your Bibles, be grabbed and be turned to the book of Luke chapter 8. We'll be in Luke chapter 8 this morning. As we've been going through this uh, sermon series, we've been looking at um, uh, the realities of HBF, sort of like the DNA of our church. And we know the reality number one is that real people must be found in Real churches. Everyone is wanted, everybody is welcome, and everyone is one. Uh, Acts chapter 11, verse 26, we looked in, at that passage and saw how the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch, right? So it's a disciple-making church that uh, was the ones with the, the, the title Christian, and we pray by God's grace. We're a church that makes disciples. We win people to Christ, and we develop them spiritually spiritually. And uh, we saw that, that uh, real Christians are Christ-like, right? Because they follow Christ. Christians follow Christ. And we reflect diversity. Uh, there's all kinds of diversity in the body of Christ. We reproduce spiritually and we respond cheerfully. We are folks that are all about uh, being able to go where people, uh, God calls us to all nations to reproduce spiritually and to respond cheerfully. That means we give. We give financially. We give our lives. We give every way that God would have us to give. And so, those are the first two realities that we've covered over the last few weeks in in between, um, you know, uh, Easter and Vision Conference and all kinds of other activities that we've had going on. And uh, today, man, what a great, it's May 1st, and uh, what a great day it is. It's beautiful weather, and uh, it's a good time to enjoy the weather. So, I'm going to get you out of here on time. You can do that today. Um, But, you know, I was thinking about this kind of weather. It's a good time to go to the zoo. And... uh, and uh, so have you ever been to the zoo? And I'm sure everybody here, we have a good zoo in Kansas City. Kansas City Zoo is good. And um, it's much different than going to a museum, right, or an art gallery. Uh, with the purpose of going to the zoo, especially here in the Midwest, right, is we get to see all these exotic animals like lions and elephants and zebras and, you know, kangaroos and all this stuff. Which we don't have around here right now. If you know, in some places, seeing a cow might be a big deal. But like we're like, that's another cow, right? Uh, like if you're in India and on a missions trip and you're at Pradeep's place, uh, you're like, oh, that's. They're like, oh, there's another cobra. You're like, okay, that's, that's fine. That's exotic. You can keep your cobras. I, I don't need those. Uh, but I'm fine with going to the Kansas City Zoo and seeing a cobra, right? Uh, I don't really want to live with a cobra. Um, and so, you know, Randy and Julie lived in Africa, so they got to see all kinds of wildlife, enormous ant hills, crazy, exotic stuff uh, to us. And of course, one of the most exotic things is that you can imagine, of course, is, is the cats, right? And uh, we like to go to the zoo and see those. Um, and so, the one thing that uh, the, the one thing that we really like to do when we when we go to the zoo is see these exotic animals that we don't have around us. But the only thing better. Then, then seeing the exotic in real life is actually touching it, you know. And uh, anybody ever, you know, you see, it's not enough just to view it. You just want to touch it. Uh, many years ago, Amy and I were at the, the Kansas City Zoo, and some of you have heard this story. It's a true story. She's sick this morning, but she's watching online. She can, you can When she comes back, you'll be able to vouch this with her. We were in our early 20s, and we were at the zoo together, and uh, this is before the zoo was like it is today. Uh, they had to, it was really sad how they had all the cats in these kind of pretty small confined cages back in the day. And uh, and there was this lion laying against the fence. And back then it was like there's a fence here, and then the cage was just like right here. And so you could I, like you could lean across the thing and put your finger in there. So this lion's laying up against this fence, and his feet, the pads of his feet are up against the fence, and his tail is hanging out the fence, right? And so, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know where this is going. <laughs> so, so uh, and some of you probably heard this story, but it's so good I gotta tell it again. And so, and so you know we're just like we're both sitting there, and I'm like looking at this paw laying against the, the fence, and I'm like, yeah, I gotta touch that, you know. <laughs> so I'm, I like lean across and, and I touch his paw, and I lean back, and he's just laying there. Looks as, looks cuddly. I mean, like you could just roll up in there, like. You know, Simba, you know, you're just like, you just want to, you're just thinking, this is oh, so cool. And so Amy's like, oh, you know, and I don't think, I don't know if it was the tail or the foot, but she reaches across, and as soon as she touches whatever she touched, this lion, he turns around and just roars. I mean, and I don't even remember, like, that part. It was like I went into shock. I just ran. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. Me and Amy just run. We're just running. And I think I about wet myself. So <laughs> I mean the, the 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 roar was I just I can still remember. It was it was terrifying. Truly terrifying to hear a lion roar, especially that close. And uh it was just like we just were gone. I did that fence seemed like it wasn't there and uh we were I was just out of that place. And um and so, man, um, you know, what what was it that drove us? You know, I look at that story, and I think, a true story. What drove us? I mean, everyone knows, right? Lions are deadly. Uh, you know, who touches a live lion? Why, why would we do that? Right? I'll tell you why. Because we could, right? It was exotic, and it was something that is not around us. It's like, because I, I could, you know? And so we did. And, uh, and so I remember when we were at the Omaha Zoo one time, Samuel has no fear of snakes for some reason, or at least he used to not. I don't know if he does now, but he's up there petting snakes. I'm like, that's crazy, man. Get away from that snake. The snake handling people up there are like, no, kill that snake. I don't care what kind it is. But anyway, that's another side note. The point of this, I'm getting off track. But the point of this story is, the real the real essence of this is is we like to we like to touch the exotic, right? If there's a Lamborghini that drives up in your neighborhood, you're like. More than just look at it, it would be nice to touch that thing wouldn 't it? You just want drive. Or, or drive it ron was <laughs> ron's always about driving as as often as he can, and so uh, we 're not satisfied just to see it we got to touch it, and it, you know that 's how it was in the garden right uh, it wasn 't enough just to see the fruit or even touch the fruit. they had to take the, of the fruit they had to take it in, and of course, that happened with deadly results <clears throat> and so uh, you know, that's exactly what, what people, what real people are looking for. Uh, when, when they see real Christians, getting back to our series on real realities of HBF authenticity, they're looking for people that, <clears throat> that have Christ in them, people that they know that, that are really born again, that have Jesus in them. When they see real Christians, people who are actually following Jesus, not just talking about Jesus or what they learned about Jesus, but they're following Jesus. They're exotic. You know why they're exotic? What makes those animals so exotic to us at the zoo is they're rare. You just don't see lions walking around Cass County very often. Uh, you don't see, and if you do, you know, call somebody quickly, right? Uh, and so, you know, those are that's exotic because it's rare. And sadly, you know, there's the really sold out Christians are not something that you find everywhere. And that's who we want to be. We want to be those people who really follow Jesus. And and when you are, people want to. They want to reach out and they want to touch you. One of the reasons we have missionaries and pastors from all over the world come through HBF is because there's something. There is something exotic about seeing one of God's people answer the call to sell all and go. Right it, there's just something about it when you see a, a a young man like um like we saw at our vision conference, and you see a guy and his wife and. Andrew and, and his wife, are, they're, they're, they got little kids, and they're going go to go to a foreign country, a, a place that to us is exotic, right? Um, when you see someone like Doug Pearson who just goes all over the place, right? And, and of course, not everybody is called to do that particularly th- particular thing, but we can be equally sold out and not go to anywhere but Cass County. The point is, though, is there's something about people that you, you know that these people aren't playing that they are really serious. And, and you just want to know more about them. You want to pray more for them. You want to keep up with what they're doing. Because you know God is working in their life. God's mission is being fulfilled in their lives. And at the same time, they're just real people. And when you see a missionary sell all that he has and go by faith, uh, it's exotic. It's also a little romantic. Uh, and uh, it can draw you in. You want to be part of it. It can also be dangerous. The closer you draw to God's perfect will, the more it captivates us and causes us to go all in for Christ. And without me even preaching a word about that part of it, everyone intuitively knows that's the scary thing about drawing nigh to God is that he doesn't just want some of you. He wants all, right? And he's asking us to die to self and to, to go all in because he's a consuming fire. I mean, he is, he is a God that, that he deserves all. I mean, good night. He is all in all. Why wouldn't we want to? Well, because, well, we like to control what we want to control. And so we want to keep God in a cage, right? We want to keep God as an exotic animal. We don't want to unleash Him and let Him just have full control of our lives. But you know what? That's really what God is calling us uh, to. And and when we see people that are yielded to God, they're submitted to God, they've surrendered to God, and we see that, wow, these people really, they've gone all in for Jesus. It's exotic. And you just want to touch them. You want to get to know them. You want to, you want to support what they're doing. You, you get excited about those things, and that's a good thing because it's really just a revelation of the authentic and an example of the authentic relationship we have with Jesus. You know the disciples, right, became apostles. They weren't educated like the Pharisees. They, there were people that knew as much or more Bible than they did. The problem was they didn't know Jesus. But once those, once those disciples were endued with power... In Acts chapter two, they became exotic, and even the learned people were like, "Who are these people? How do they speak? They have the same power and authority in their speaking that that Jesus had, because Jesus is God, and now God's indwelling them, right? It is. It's amazing. It's it's compelling, and and of course that's what real Christianity is all about. That's really what we're doing here at HBF. If we're not about all of that, then we need to just quit and go home, because at the end of the day. We want to see Jesus, right? We want Jesus to be magnified. We want him to be exalted in our lives. So real Christians, are they're Christ-like. Uh, and then real people want to touch, touch us, hopefully, because we're authentic. And when that happens, we establish the point of this third point, which is real relationships. Real relationships really need to be found in Christ. That's really where they're always going to work. So I'm going to take a few weeks on this one, because in our culture today, relationships are dysfunctional. There, it's uh, being impeded with a lot of, uh, of uh, noise, with technology, and so on and so forth. So I'm going to do a slow roll on this, and we're going to take this in sections. And today we're going to talk about how real relationships reach God. The first relationship that we should all be concerned about is how we relate to God. He is that scary lion, right? You don't want him in a cage, though. He's also a loving lamb that died on the cross. And so um, if you have your notes, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 8. And verse 43, Luke chapter 8, and verse 43, and I'm just going to read this text with you, Luke Luke 8:43 through 48. Now Jesus is he's he's moving in ministry here, and he he's actually on his way to heal a young lady, a young 12-year-old girl of a gentleman named Jairus. So, and in the midst of this, he comes across a throng of people. They're very happy at this time to see him. Uh, and uh, And they want to see more miracles, and as he 's moving through we we come ac- across this lady who has an issue of blood and i 'll just pick up the text with you in Luke chapter eight and verse forty three the Bible says in luke eight forty three and the woman having an issue of blood twelve years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could uh, he heal uh, be healed of any, neither could uh, be healed of any forgive me. I came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood was staunched. And Jesus said, Who toucheth me? And when all denied Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and thou sayest Who toucheth me? And Jesus said, Somebody has touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that everyone that has come here leaves in peace because we have touched Jesus. And Lord, Jesus was not a lion that bit her head off. He was a, a lamb, a gracious God, uh, and he is the lion of the tribe of Judah, Lord, and he called her daughter. Thank you, Lord, for calling us sons in 1 John chapter 3. Thank you for uh, drawing us to yourself. Thank you for calling us to follow you. Lord, I pray, God, that we would be uh, so authentic, so real, so uh, so reflective of who you are, Lord, that people would just want to draw near, not to get to know us, but to get to know you. Lord, for you are a gracious God. You're a good God. You're a loving God. We just saying and saying three songs about how great you are, Lord, how incredible your the power of the blood is. Lord, you are incredible. You are gracious and you are good. I pray, God, that you would just bless the reading and the hearing of your word, that you would draw all men to yourself. And Lord, that you would consume us with the power of Christ, Lord, the love of Christ, Lord, that it would just uh, it would prevail as it will. The promise is that it will. And we thank you for that. We ask a blessing on the reading and the hearing of your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So so as we look at this first reality, right, we're going to see that real relationships reach God. Next week we'll talk about on Mother's Day, by the way, you want to come back for Mother's Day, bring your moms. We're going to talk about how real relationships reach your family, and that's, that's important. We're starting with God, then we'll deal with the family. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about how real relationships reach cultures, communities, cities, and countries. Because ultimately, our relationship with Christ is designed to affect the throne of God, the people that we care about the most, of course, and everyone else that God has called us to reach. So this morning, as we talk about real relationship and how real relationships reach God, we see that God recognizes those who reach out and touch Him by faith, as we just saw in this story. This woman has an issue of blood, a woman with an issue of blood. How many of you got issues? We have a whole ministry called Life Issues, right? This lady has an issue, and she has an issue, of course, of blood. In verse 43, it says, And a woman having an issue of blood twelve years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood was staunched so she she had immediate results from meeting Jesus. Now, people with issues are drawn to people with an ability to heal their problems. Uh, and we all have issues of various sorts that neither money nor physician can correct uh, There's no doubt about it. Everyone has issues. We call them on Friday night we call it life issues, right but we all have issues that neither money uh, nor a a person other than Jesus can actually affect. And and so it's interesting to note that Jesus was on the way to heal Jairus' daughter. In verses 41 through 42, just kind of look back there in the text, it says, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. You see, this is a man who was desperate. Uh, he's a ruler of the synagogue, but but his religion isn't working for him. And he sees Jesus come by, and he's like, "Hey, I'm desperate." He 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 falls at his feet. I mean, he's begging him, he's worshiping him. He says it says in verse forty two, for he had one only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she lay dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. <clears throat> so you can imagine Jesus here. He's got a he's got priorities. I mean, he's this man is sincere as, as, as the day is long, and he needs his daughter healed. My daughter's dying. <clears throat> Help me, Jesus. Uh, she's also 12 years old. And so J- Jairus' daughter was, was in a desperate shape. And I had no doubt that Jesus was making his way to her with all diligence. Nonetheless, as we see in the text, the press of the people was thronging him, hindering his progress. And uh, have you ever wondered if God has time for you? Or your problems? Do you ever feel like, man, things are just slowing you down? How do you think Jesus feels? I've thought about that. We're all praying, you know. We all pray and God's hearing all these. It would be like bees. Bzzz, you know, just yeah, how does he sort through all that? But he does because he's God. <clears throat> and so he has time for you. Uh, so the passage shows you that no matter what your need is, <clears throat> when you cry out in faith, God does hear you. You have a man who is begging him, saying, come to my house and heal my daughter. You have a, a lady who reaches out and just touches the hem of his garment. And he is, he. is when these people are in need, the people that are being addressed are the people whose hearts are broken, the people who are desperate. It's not everybody that has it all together. It's not the, the, the doctors of the law and the lawyers that are sitting around asking cute little questions trying to trap him up in some intellectual argument. Those are not the people that he's stopping to really give his attention to and help. Um, Those folks are going to end up, you know, putting him to death. And so he's stopping to to deal with those that have issues. It could be that this morning you come to Heartland and and you have issues. Well, I'm glad. We we will stop what we're doing to open up the Word of God and introduce you to Jesus. Just like Jairus is like, hey, come to my house. We're glad you you came to this house. Uh, This is a house full of life. Not because you know, we are life, but because Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He is life. These folks are looking, uh, one man is looking to keep his daughter from dying. Another lady is looking to stop the bleeding uh, because it is keeping her segregated. I'll talk about that more in just a moment. So notice Jairus' daughter was 12 years old. And the woman with the issue had suffered with her infirmity for 12 years. So these, both of these situations, there was a time when Jesus was in his 20s, early 20s, that this little girl was born and her life was going to begin. At the same time, this lady somewhere else there in Jerusalem or in, in the area of Israel and Judea, she uh, she's, comes up with this problem of having an issue of blood. And what was going to be a ceremonial process and a ritualistic process that went on with all the women every month now becomes a 12-year-long issue where she is no longer acceptable she is unclean and that comes with all kinds of other side effects she is she's in a bad situation and so when jesus comes upon this both of these had different stories and and at or near the same time uh this woman began to suffer with her condition this little girl was born and both both were heading to this moment in time when jesus would be the solution to their problem Jarius and his daughter didn't foresee her life-threatening problem. I mean, I'm sure Jarius was like good to go, and then all of a sudden something befell his daughter. Now he is desperate. And so his issue came a little differently than the woman with the, at the, the, woman with the issue of blood, right? She'd been dealing with this thing. It was a chronic thing on and on and on and on for 12 years. And so both had a problem, and both of them suffered, and both of them uh, were desperate. Both had, had a life-threatening emergency or a chronic issue and were desperate for connection to Jesus' power to help them in their situation. You know, in our culture, we, we take, well, 12 years to take a child and wean them from childhood to dependence on in adulthood, hypothetically, right? So uh, graduation's coming up, and hypothetically, we'll graduate some young men and women, and they will be able to go to work, uh, go to trade school and go to work or go to higher education. But we, in essence, say this is it. It's time for adulthood. We, our laws are set up like that. So these, at that age, they are able to uh, go and you know, join the military, fight for our country and all those other things, um, and, of course, begin to marry, bear children, all those other things. So it, took, it takes 12 years to do that. It took 12 years for the woman with an issue of blood to realize that there was not enough money, not enough doctors, not enough experts to help her medical condition. It took 12 years of understanding nothing could solve her problem but Jesus. It took her that long. When I was, <clears throat> when I think back on the struggle that Amy and I had with infertility, I was just meditating on that as I was prepping this message. I thought, you know what? It took me about 12 years. I thought, wow, how interesting that is. To go from us doing everything in our power... To getting to the point where I'm like, by the time we ended up adopting, it was absolutely like impossible. We were, we, it was really amazing how God brought it to pass. But God brings you to a point where you run out of options. I mean, there's just no other options. And then God's like, oh, here you go. This is what my plan is for you. This is what we're going to do. This is how I'm going to meet this need in your life. And, uh, and it's a miracle. It's a different sort of miracle, but it's all a miracle. Sometimes things in your life, you, you deal with them for a long time. And then sometimes they just come upon you, but they're issues nonetheless. And, they're, and they put you in a place of desperation where you need Jesus. Now some of you are like, well, I've lived a pretty charmed life and that's not me. Well, good, i got news for you. In this scenario, you may be the person that needs to introduce them to Jesus uh, because that's ultimately uh, what our job is. We often do not seek Jesus until we have exhausted our resources. And I've heard many a, a drug addict tell me that you know it's not until addiction had taken over and that, and that they were completely bankrupt and they had nothing left before they were ready to actually try Jesus. And I, and I say try Jesus, not in the sense that he's just something you flippantly try. But what they mean is, I've tried all these drugs. I've tried this, 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 and this. Ultimately, what, why do we do that to ourselves? Because we're looking to fill a void in our life, right? Drugs, alcohol, sex, you know, whatever it is. And uh, gambling, this, that, and the other. And and so we we people get addicted to that stuff. And then it's finally, when they come to the end of that and say, you know what, none of this is going to, there's no fixing me. I am totally bankrupt and broke and desperate. Then Jesus is like, are you ready? You know? Uh, then they're ready to try Jesus. <clears throat> and so what did it take in your life before you were willing to cry out to Jesus? It doesn't have to be the same story as in the, the text. It, it doesn't have to be my story, right? It doesn't have to be... Actually, just before church this morning, uh, Bob and I were in the foyer just visiting about our stories, what it took for God to bring us to the point where we were ready to repent and trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And uh, man, it was, it, it's amazing. His story is not my story. My story is not his story. But what is your story? When is, it, when is the time in your life when you came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? when you were at a place where you were willing to trust Jesus and His finished work alone for salvation? When did you recognize Jesus was uh, truly the solution to your biggest need and that your biggest need was a much bigger problem than anything else? It's bigger than the money that you need to make. It's bigger than your car payment. It's bigger than your next decision at work, your next decision in the next relationship thing that you're worried about. The biggest biggest issue in anyone's life is ultimately when you die, where are you going to spend eternity? And some people don't think about it. They keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. But ultimately, everything in this life is going to come to an end. And you're going to be dealing with eternity. And you better know where you're going to spend it. If you don't know where you're going to spend it, I I recommend and I pray that God speaks to your heart even today to reveal your desperate need to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now in Luke 8, verse 44, notice what it says there. It says, she came behind him. And touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood was staunched. So she managed to get behind and simply touch the hem of his garment. the The Bible is clear in First Corinthians chapter twelve and Ephesians two and verse twenty one that the body consists of many members. This is the body of Christ. So we're not we're not like the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ, and members in particular. We all function together. We, we all work together. We don't all do the same thing. We all have different purposes in the body, but we all do our part, and that is the body of Christ. And so what does this lady do? She comes up behind Jesus Christ, who's in his physical body at this time, and, um, and she just touches. She doesn't really touch him. She just touches the hem of his garment. She just gets a, just, just, just makes a little touch. You know, <clears throat> that's exactly what a lot of people need, is just a little touch of the body. You don't have to be the head. You don't have to be the hand for someone to be healed. You know, there's a concept in many churches that, oh man, people can't get saved unless Brian leads them to Christ or Pastor Steve, or Pastor Randy, or Pastor so-and-so, Pastor Jeff, go through the list, Pastor Jason, Pastor, uh, you know, um, uh, Jeremy, okay, Pastor Bob, let me get them all in here. So. <clears throat> but you know what I'm saying. It's got to be pastors. Or it's got to be deacon. Or it's got to be the guy who's really good with the Bible. That's not true. People just need somebody from the body that they can connect to. As a matter of fact some of y'all will connect better with people than I will certain people are going to be they're going to God can use you to touch them right right where they are but they needed to touch to the body that also implies that you need to be connected to the body she didn't she didn't touch air she touched what was connected to Jesus right and so you got to be i mean technically you're in Christ when you get saved but even the way that it is set up from the Bible we don't even recognize I mean, I, let, me put, let me be careful how I say this. If you, if you trust Christ today as Lord and Savior, I will recognize that, and I will, I'll believe that you're born again, okay? But I'm saying we as a, as a church, as a body of Christ formally, we don't recognize someone as, as being part of the body until they submit to believer's baptism. Why? Because they're willing to publicly profess. We'll get to that in just a minute, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, the, day you, the moment you trust Christ, you're saved, no doubt about it. You don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. I want to be clear about that, in the water anyway. You don't have to be baptized in the water. You do need the Spirit of God in you to go to heaven, and that happens when you call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. And so you've got to reach out and touch. But I'm talking to the Christians today. I mean, the, the point here is she touched the hem of his garment. It was connected to his body and i'm talking to the choir cuz you're here but you you and i both know there's a lot of believers especially today with all the technology and all the cool that's out there for christianity uh, that just make all this thing just another commodity they don't ever get connected to the body they don't they're not here to get baptized they're not here to plug into ministry they're not here to learn the bible i don't mean i mean in this church and many others they're not really here to do the will of god they're there to they're they're, they're they want to get their ears tickled they want to hear an inspiring message, you know, turn on K-Love, hear some good music, roll on down the highway of life, do what they're going to do, and not really give a concern about what God has for them. They are not. They don't really want to touch the lion. You know what I'm saying? But every so often, somebody will roll through their life and they're exotic. I mean, they're not like everybody else. I mean, this person actually reads their Bible every day. Oh, are you a preacher or something? Nope. I'll just go to that church down there in Harrisonville. I mean, well, how do you know so much Bible? Did you go to Bible college? Nope. I just went through D1, D2. You know, I'm just studying my Bible. i just teaching the kids' ministry. Well, well, what what is all that? Oh, well, let me introduce you to him. It's Jesus. You see what I'm saying? Someone that you might be able to touch, I would never be able to get to. Maybe you're on the tail end of the body, right? You're all the way in the... She's coming up from the back. She's trying to reach this guy. Maybe you you maybe you're sitting here this morning you feel like man I'm last. I'm the slowest in the slow class. Guess what? God can use you. He can use you to see someone's life changed. But you got to be intentional. You got to know when someone's trying to reach out for Christ. You see they're not trying to reach me, they're not trying to reach you. What they're really reaching for is Jesus. They need they need life. They need help. They have issues. And so you don't have to be the head or the hand or someone to be to, to be healed. All people need is a touch from the spirit-filled believer, and their life is eternally changed. So point two in your notes, Jesus notices those who make contact with him. In verse 45, of course, you know this, and this is not a story many of you haven't heard. It says, and Jesus said, who toucheth me? Or who touched me? Of course, everyone's like, you know, everyone's like, I didn't touch you. And of course, he's in a throng of people. A lot of people touched him. Of course, Peter's Smart enough to know that. He says, and Peter, when all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, you know, hey, Jesus, we're not going to lie to you here. Master, uh, just, just to be clear, the, the multitude throng thee and press thee and sayest thou who touches me. Is this a trick question? <laughs> I mean, what are you trying to get to here? I mean, everybody was touching you. You're, you're in the middle of a crowd of people. It's a mosh pit around here. I mean, what, what, are, you, what are you talking about? Who touched you? You know, Peter's like probably looking for the mystery here. Okay, where's the parable? I'm ready. Everybody, did I get the right answer? But Jesus gives the clue. Because he says, uh, you know, virtue. Virtue went out of me. Somebody, verse 46, Jesus says, Somebody's touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. My power regulator says that I just had a draw. Who touched me? Somebody drew some power off me, and so and so. Here we get some insight into what really makes Jesus respond. See, the word "virtue" just simply means power or force, and so it's not the magnitude of the crowd, not the volume of the praise music, it's not the eloquence of the speaker. Right? That's not what. That's not what really is going on, what what really is going on is there's a desperate heart of an individual. And Jesus says, yes, my power's available to that. He's being pressed upon from all directions, but it's not until somebody who has a real issue and has a need in their life, who needs to draw power that they don't have within themselves, comes to him in desperation and reaches out that God says, that's it, virtue's gone out. My power's gone out. That lady was healed instantly. This woman was lost and unnoticed in the sea of humanity. The person in the greatest need is the one who has exhausted their earthly resources and answer to the questions of life. Those are the people who are moved by faith and receive power from God. She was not only desperate, she she desperately believed that Jesus had the power to heal her. She wasn't touching his garment. She wasn't pressing through the, the, the throng. She wasn't just kind of casually going, well, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. She is so desperate. She's like, this is all I got. And she reaches through there to, to touch the hem of his garment. If you're here this morning and, and you're at your end, I have great news for you this morning. Jesus will stop everything he's doing to address your need as long as you reach out and touch the hem of his garment. Who in this body can, can you reach out to? Let's get real practical. Today, it may be that God's brought you here and you do have an issue and you need help and you need God's power. You know what? Don't just walk out the door going, well, I'll figure it out. No, you won't. The hem of the garment is the person that you're willing to connect with in the body of Christ that will take and show, the, show you in the Bible from God's word how you can be healed from the, the curse of sin and death. God will, 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 he will provide that power. If you simply let him reach out and let God help you through his spirit, it is not about the individual components. It's about God's body and God will use the people that he has here at this church to help you have a relationship with Christ. Point B, God restores those who humbly confess their infirmity. There's a lot going on here, more than I'm able to get into in the time we have, but notice this, that God restores those who humbly confess their infirmity. Now, this isn't something that, you know, she's able to hide very easily. She's unclean. She's ceremonially unclean. She's gotta, there's a lot of things she's got to do uh, and she cannot partake of because of her uncleanness. And yet she finds herself in the throng of people. She's desperate. <clears throat> in Luke 8, 47, it says, And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the, all the people, for what cause she had touched him, and how she was healed immediately. I mean, this woman came out publicly and told everybody, I'm an unclean woman. I've had an issue of blood for 12 years. This is my problem, and I am healed. Jesus called her out. Who touched me? Well, do you think Jesus did not know who touched him? I'm sure Jesus knew who touched him. He knows everything. He's Jesus. Jesus. <clears throat> Notice that the woman saw that she was not hid. Jesus outed her. You know, we have perverts that want to come out of the closet. I mean, in mass right now. It's like, go back in the closet. But Christians want to stay in the closet. Isn't that crazy? Maybe that's part of the problem. You know, in Philippians chapter 2, the vision for this church, that's one of the things that is imperative that we do as the days grow darker. What should we do? We should shine brighter. We don't keep it under a candle, right? We, we take the lid off. We, we shine, right? This is the light of mine. Right? You know the song. That, that's, that's biblical. Philippians chapter 2. We are, a, we are a church in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. What do we do? We shine. We hold fast to the Word. We publish the Word. We teach the Word. We send the Word. We do all that. Why? Because we are to shine brighter and brighter as we see the day approaching. It's darker and darker before the dawn. And so so we need to be about getting the light out. This woman can't be hid. She, and She's no longer able to, to be hid. Why? Because Jesus has called on her. I tell you, if there's anything that people need to understand is that God is calling. We just had a vision conference about the call of God. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Right? God is calling. Now that verse in, in context is dealing with the body of Christ and and our edification, but he's also calling people to salvation, he's calling people to sanctification, he's calling people to service, he's calling people to sacrifice, all of those things are in the call of God, and he calls us out, he calls us out to to come public, and to come clean about, not our issues, but his ability to heal them, part of the power of Christ is not where you've been, but the power that Jesus Christ has to heal you, So we live in an age of victimization. Everybody's a victim, everybody's a victim, and everybody's a victim. Come on, man. Jesus Christ has set us free. And what he's doing in front of everybody, and all of this throng of people is saying, listen, wait, power's gone out and somebody has just gotten healed. Somebody's life is made right. She hasn't had to do anything but touch the hem of my garment. What is it? It was her faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Jesus Christ is the word of God. And so her problem, her issue is immediately staunched. How did she know that? I don't know. She knew it. The day I got saved, I knew I was saved. I don't know how I knew it. I just was. I mean, it's kind of weird, man. I just I walk into this room one day and then I, this guy asks me some questions. And the next thing you know, I'm kneeling on the floor and I'm sincere as a heart attack. I knew this was it and I am meant it. And man, God meant it. And next thing you know, I get up off the floor. I don't know anything. Don't know what's happened. I just know I am changed. And it was immediate. I, I couldn't explain it. I just knew I'm I'm different. I'm healed. I'm saved. I didn't even know the terminology yet. I remember getting up the next day, looking out the window, going, man, this is stuck. This is awesome. I don't know what it is, but it is awesome. I mean, don't, I know, don't get me wrong. I knew it was about Jesus saving me from from sin and hell and death and all of those things. But I couldn't even articulate it. I just was like, wow, there's power here. It's divine. Notice that the woman saw that, that she wasn't hid. Oh, how this reminds me of Hebrews 4.12. You're familiar with the passage, Hebrews 4.12. It says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even and dividing asunder the soul and the spirit, and the joints, and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Right, the, the word of God penetrates. Jesus had been preaching, he had been healing, and and this and these people believed what he was saying. They believed that he was Messiah, that he was he was the one that had been promised, that he was there to deliver, and they came to him believing that the word of God is quick and it's powerful and it is sharp and it cuts to the to the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in His sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. There is nothing that can be hid from Him. Adam and Eve took of the fruit of the garden they hid, but they couldn't be hid. God knows what's going on. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Aren't you glad Jesus knows how you feel? Amen, me too. Let us, let us, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, for us that are saved, it doesn't end, does it? We, we find out later that we still got our skin on and we still have to have a contrite heart and we have to come to the Lord Jesus and we have to believe his word daily to get the power to die daily, right? Paul says, I die daily. Jesus told his disciples, take up my cross daily. That was just in my daily reading this morning in Luke 9. And so, and so praise God, we got to we got to obtain God's grace daily, but God says, "Hey, I'm here. Come on in. I'm here for you." Hebrews 10:31 says, "It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God." It is, it is scary to have your problems exposed to the public. The most intimidating part of this exchange is being completely exposed before a holy God. It's scary to approach God when you know you're you you're you're not holy. But that is the only place you find healing and help for your soul. So Jesus could have certainly called the woman out and said, You, right there. You touched me. But he didn't do it that way. He said, Who touched me? He'd already done the work. It could be this morning that God's calling someone to be saved, and and it's just a matter of you responding. Who has he touched? Who needs to call upon the name of the Lord? Who needs to come out of the closet? Who needs to answer the call? That means you've been healed instantly. The moment you trusted Jesus, your soul sealed into the day of redemption, you're now a new creature. The question is not what has God done, but will you own what he's done, and will you follow him in believer's baptism? right? There's some next. Uh, this uh, next week is when we're supposed to baptize. Maybe God has someone today that needs to make a decision. It's like, man, he's healed me. Well, great, it's time for you to come out of the closet. It's time for you to publicly acknowledge that and let everybody know that he's healed you of sin and death, and that you were desperate, and now you found your Savior. I don't know. I'm not talking to anyone in particular. Maybe I'm talking to someone online. But if you're not obedient believer's baptism, well, okay, then we'll just have to take your word for it. But, I mean, at the end of the day, that's the first act of obedience. He calls out and says, who's touched me? Who's availed themselves of my power by faith? Come out and tell everybody. That's why we have believer's baptism. They come up here and they go through the water. The water doesn't save them. It just gets you wet. But it shows that you've identified with Christ and that Jesus Christ came into your heart when you got saved, that you are now as good as dead, buried, and resurrected. The day that you got saved, the Spirit of God comes in you, and now you have resurrection power in you. And it's a beautiful testimony. It's the first message you ever preach. If you're really saved, we will come out and we will identify with Him publicly. Secret Christianity, it's not Christianity. Going public is why God saves us. And that just goes from there. Okay, that's I'm talking to someone who maybe just needs to get baptized. But what about us that have been saved and baptized? Why are we part of the body? It's so we can go public. It's so that we can we can be intentional about our gospel outreach, so we can own the mission, all the things we talked about in the in the vision conference. It's so that we can be intentional about keeping, uh, having perfect peace in our life, keeping our minds stayed on the Lord so that others can find that same peace because this world desperately needs the peace of Christ. They need Jesus. So she confesses publicly that she has been unclean for 12 years. According to the law of Moses in Leviticus 15 and verse 25, this woman was unclean and should, have, should not have been touching a holy man for sure. Leviticus 15, 25 says, And if a woman have an issue of her, her blood many days out of the time of her separation. So this is exactly what the the law is speaking to here. She's not just set aside for menstruation. She has now got a hemorrhaging problem of some sort. Or if if it run beyond the time of her separation, all the days of the issue of her uncleanness shall be as the days of her separation. She shall be unclean. Unclean. And the segregation and all the things that go with that is not a pleasant experience for this lady for 12 years. Years. She's not able to participate in all the same things that her family is. She's not, I don't know her background. We're not given all that information, but it's not a pleasant experience for her. You know what she feels like? She feels like some of you may feel when you have issues, isolated and alone, even when you're in a throng of people. You can sit here in this church building and have issues that are so heavy that you feel like nobody else knows, nobody else understands, that you're isolated and you're all alone. But you know what the good news is? Jesus knows. And Jesus is calling you. He's like, hey, listen, I've got the power. I've got the power. The nature of her disease did not permit her to have a relationship with a man nor to participate in the religious activity of the Jews. And though the nature of her infirmity was a disease that uh, would cause shame and segregation. She was not ashamed because she was cured instantly by the simple touch of her Savior. She's bold as a lion. You know what? That's what happens. You come to Jesus and, he, and, and you come to the Lamb of God, but He turns you into a lion. Beloved, that's what God needs. He needs some people to come out, to get a little exotic, to change our lives, and, uh, and, to, and to follow Jesus faithfully. Though the nature of infirmity was this disease, Isaiah 64 says this. But but we all, as an unclean, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. I think many of us know that verse, don't we? You probably don't even need me to explain what he means there by filthy rags. But he says, you know what? Whoever you are, whoever you think you are, at your very best state, all your righteousness is as filthy rags. And in this case, the rags have to do with the menstrual cycle. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Man, without Jesus, we're in trouble. But with Jesus, man, we are victors. So he makes her confess publicly, point two, what she has done and how it was she was cured. Many people are seeking relief from the infirmities of life and often think that God is too holy, or that they are not worthy of his forgiveness. Oh, how much you misunderstand the Savior. God is intimately concerned about your 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 infirmities, not only your physical infirmities or your mental infirmities or whatever infirmities, but He's most concerned about your eternal infirmity, which is that of death. The prognosis is spiritual death, separation from God for all of eternity. And that's why Jesus came to this earth is to save sinners, of whom Paul said, I am chief. I'll say, I'm chief too. We'll fight over that, right? All of us could say, No, I'm the chief, right? Because our sin is on, un- it's just filthy before God. But yet, because of God's grace, we are healed. Jesus is touched when someone who is diseased and unclean comes to him as their only, as their only, let me be clear about this, their only source of healing. It's not Jesus and something. I got a, I got a little video this last week from a pastor that's serving. I'm not going to say his name because I don't want him to get any issues, but. Where he's serving is a place full of idolatry. And man, I was encouraged as as this brother, he led a a brother to Christ. And when he got saved, they they go into his house and they have to take down the idols. Man, they just tear down all the idols and get rid of them. Remind me of 1 Thessalonians. As a matter of fact, I sent him that verse just about turning to God from idols. It wasn't just a casual, well, I'm going to trust Jesus, but I'm going to keep all my idols. Like in this culture, they, they literally worship idols. So when he got saved, this guy goes to his house, literally, and takes all these idols and he just tosses them out and destroys them. Which to us, we think, well, what's the big deal? That's a huge deal in that culture. It's not, it's not Jesus plus. It's Jesus only. It's not Jesus and. It's Jesus only. And that's the point that this lady got to. It's only Jesus. And man, he got, she got healed. This man, Jairus, he's like, there's nobody else. So oh, Jesus, help my daughter. She's dying. There's nobody else. Jesus is the only way, the only truth in the life. Our lives in this church should be full of people with this testimony. There's no better testimony than hearing that Jesus cured you. Yeah, salvation and issues of sexual impurity, addictions, illicit, business practices, tax evasion, lying, stealing, et etc. Et you know, real relationships with Jesus cure all that stuff. We have a woman in our church. She carried the pain of abortion. I'd like to actually go do the math. I wonder if, her, I don't know how long it was. This is more than 12 years, I'm sure. I know it was. But she carried the pain of ab- abortion for years. But you know what? The day she trusted Christ, he healed her. And you know what she did? She came out public with that, got baptized. But it took her a little longer to deal with those life issues, right? But eventually, God worked in her heart, not because I told her. I knew a long time ago what was... I knew about it. She told me personally a long time ago. And, uh, you know, I, and, and it, was a, it was a burden on her heart. Of course, that was between her and the Lord. And, but eventually, God worked in her heart. And she's like, Pastor, what do you think about me, like, sharing this? Hey, do what you got to do. You know what So she shared it with her kids first. And then after she... You know what she found once she shared it with her kids? And by the way, as I tell this story, I'm not advocating you need to share all your, all your issues with everybody. But I want to tell you how the victory works in the lives of some of the people in our own church that had issues. The guilt and the shame of that abortion. And, I know, and by the way, I want to throw this out. Some of you men, this abortion thing, we always focus on the women. I've had a lot of men come to me and say, man, Brian, I am, I'm, I'm hurting over this thing because I was part of that problem. Or I was the one forcing my hand to get that done. And I'm, now I'm convicted about it. Hey, God will help you with that. I want you to know God is a God of healing. He's a God of grace. And so uh, once you know to do good, don't do it again, right? But God is full of grace. And so, so this lady in our church came to the point where she eventually, and some of you know who I'm talking about, but if you can ask me later. I don't want to blast her name all over the Internet right now. Uh, she doesn't care. She says, just use my testimony however you want. But for, for her sake, I'm just going to keep it between us. And so she so she comes to that place, and you guys know she stood in this she stood right here, and told everybody. Man, I was I was so what happened? God is so good. Eventually, she becomes the director of a crisis pregnancy center. And man, I was there the day she gets up in front of a room with three hundred people or two hundred people. Or I'm a preacher; I may have exaggerated. Maybe it was 180. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> she gets up and she just she shares her story. I mean, I was blown away. You know what was the story is? Hey, Jesus touched me. You know what God's using her to do? She's looking for the same people. Hey, bro, it's good to see you. It's good. It's. it's, uh, She's looking for the same type of people. She's just wanting to be part of the hem of the body, right? Just part of the garment. So God's given her a way to reach out to people that need to be touched. And we got. And I'm going to use your name. We got Shane Watson back here, man. Shane, you had to come to the end of yourself, man. Sleeping in a truck. You had Didn't you have icicles on you? And uh, and it was not good. And finally, I didn't even believe him. I, he's like, Brian, I need to come talk to you. I'm like, okay, whatever, dude. Whatever. I'll be at the office. Come see me. And lo and behold, he showed up. It just so happened we had a vision conference going on. Okay, if you're serious, come to church tonight. You probably had to walk. I don't even know how you were getting around. And uh, And so... He comes and guess oh it, it was it was a really awesome we had the praise band jamming and we had the slides going and the, and man the preaching was so awesome we had the best preachers in the world what well, we did but anyway uh, we didn't have any of that we were in a Christian school and we had a puppet show <laughs> and Bob and Sharon Bolken are back there doing puppets a presentation and it broke Shane's heart he wasn't saved yet and then Gene Purtle came around and preached. And next thing you know, we're at Applebee's. And he's professing Christ. And you think, oh, that's a cool story. Oh, that's part of this. That's not the whole story. There's a lot more. Shane can tell you the rest. But he also had permission to use his story today. But the point of this story is it didn't end there. Mr. Schaefer, Officer Schaefer, who himself just got saved, comes up and says, bro, you've got to be careful having those sorts around here. Because, I mean, I'm just telling you, he is a bad boy. We've had problems. Keep your. I mean, we, me and him, <laughs> we've had problems. And I'll tell you what, I'd love to tell you all the details for time's sake, but I'm going to cut to the chase. That's like, Joe, just stay back, just stay back. You be Je- Officer Joe, Romans 13, you're here to protect us, and just let me do what I'm doing. We'll just trust Jesus here and see what happens. And uh, and boy, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy for, for Shane, by the way, to, to go forward from there. I won't get into You can ask him all the details later, but... Make a long story short, it wasn't too many months later. You know who was getting baptized at Antioch? Officer Joe and Shane Watts. <laughs> same tank, same night. Now, guys, that's Jesus. That's a true story, is it not? <clears throat> you know what, though? That's an old story. That's an old, no offense, but that's an old story. <laughs> Shane, you're not as young as you used to be, brother. <laughs> You know what we need? We need to trust Jesus for some new stories. Jesus has done those things. Jesus is doing those things. And he will continue to do those things. My point is simply, people, is, what are we talking about here? We're just talking about people who have a need in their life. And they just reach out for Jesus and they touch the hem of his garment. It might be a, it might be a puppet show. It, it might be somebody that talked to him at work. It might be, it might be somebody who came across him at a, at a, while they were assembling Bibles. It might be somebody who came in the doors on a Sunday morning. It might be somebody who just casually started talking at the gas station. It, I, just, I don't know, but God has people that come around the body and the throng of the people that will be touched by this body this week is enormous. But at the end of the day... Beloved, look for people. Look for people that are desperate. And then tell them about Jesus, and you will see the power of God come to them in a miraculous way. It changes their life. It's true. It works. It is the Word of God. He is powerful. And that's why a church needs real Christians with real relationships with God. If God is not our priority, then people won't see it. We will not be exotic, and they won't want to touch us. You understand what I'm saying? You want to touch that Lamborghini because not everybody has a Lamborghini. You want to touch that lion because not everybody can get up next to a lion. And beloved people ought to touch you because not everybody's up next to Jesus. But they should see through us the life and the light of Christ. This church, this body is filled with the story after story after story, like the ones I've shared. People who have reached out to Jesus where they could no longer bear their issues. And in just a moment of prayer and contrition, the movement of God comes in their life and it heals them. It doesn't mean they don't have a continual issues to deal with. We all do. But the reality is we know that our sin has been staunched, that a death and hell have been, been uh, truncated, and now we have eternal life. And the amazing power of Christ destroys the power of sin and magnifies the power of Jesus to restore us and make us whole. There is no shame, there is no fear when we experience the power of Christ's love. 1 John 4:18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Real relationships reach God. Next next week on Mother's Day, we'll take uh, some more time to talk about real relationships and how they reach families. But before we concern ourselves with families and friends and co-workers and all of those things, Man, where are you at this morning? As we conclude, it's worth noting, right? Real relationships reach God. There's nothing that Jesus would not stop to deal with these, this woman with the issue. I mean, there's a daughter of a man named Jairus that has begged him that his daughter is dying. Does anybody know what happened to his daughter? What happened? Yeah, but, but Ron, what do you say, Ron? She died. She died. She died. Jesus let this little girl die. He stopped everything to help the woman with an issue of blood. You think that felt good to Jairus? No, it didn't. He was mourning. You know what? He thought Jesus didn't come through for him. Twelve years, man. He had all that joy and all that love and all that life and all of a sudden it's gone. And Jesus is over here healing some lady that had an issue of blood she was well over 12 years old right she was a mature woman why didn't he skip her and come to me well of course he did he wanted you know what the point is where i'm going with this jesus wants them all he wants them all and he did go and he did raise that girl from the dead the issue isn't even raising us from the dead physically is it Lazarus was risen from the dead, and he ended up dying a physical death. He didn't live forever in that, in that decaying body that he had. What really matters is, are you, are you spiritually resurrected? Are you healed on the inside? Has your faith made you whole? Jesus was able to deal with both death and life. He was able to deal with the issues of life and death, because he is the resurrection and he is the life. Jesus didn't raise that young girl to life, or Jesus didn't heal her, uh, heal that young lady. He waited till she died, then he rose her from the dead. Perhaps during this time of this sermon, you've come to the place that you realize that you are dead in trespass and sins, and you don't need he- healing. You need a resurrection. Healing is not all we need. We need a resurrection, we need life. The truth of the matter is, our biggest problem is that we are dead and trespass and sins we're just waiting and if you really get a hold of the gospel in this story you're not the woman with an issue of blood you're the little girl who died and you need jesus to resurrect you there's nothing she could do other than believe what jesus said and this morning if you're not here if you're here this morning and you're not born again you need to be saved today is the day of salvation You need to avail yourself of the power of God to save your soul. Perhaps this morning you are saved and you're just dealing with an infirmary that's made you unclean and untouchable. Well, then, hey, come to Christ and let him heal you. Confess it and forsake it, for God has mercy. Matthew 28 says this, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time in your word as we meditate upon these things. I pray that we give ourselves wholly to what we have learned this morning. This is-